So today is the Feast of Epiphany of the Lord. Epiphany in Greek is epiphania, a combination of two words, epi, which is upon, and phaino, which is show. So literally, it means to show upon or manifestation. The Feast of the Epiphany commemorates and celebrates the self-revelation to the Gentiles, which are non-Jews and the Magi, of Jesus Christ as the Savior, as portrayed by the coming of the three wise men, or Magi, in today's Gospel. The Magi brought with them gold, the gift bestowed on kings, frankincense, used to worship at the altar of God, and myrrh, used to prepare the dead body for embalming after death. It is the feast of the universal church. Today's gospel from Matthew limits itself to the adoration of the three wise men, which is frequently referred to as the Magi. The Magi are a group of people in those days that, in all the Near Eastern countries, the king would use them for special purposes. They were scholars. They read a lot. They were people who looked at the stars. They were astronomers. Because Matthew mentioned that the Magi observed the star rising, this supports that they had knowledge of astronomy. Another factor to consider is that they came from the east. This implies that they may have come from Mesopotamia, the home of astronomy in the Hellenistic world. But this gospel is not so much about the Magi, but about the one who has been born King of the Jews. This gospel passage tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the reign of King Herod. History reveals to us that Herod the Great, a king of Judea, reigned from 37 to 4 BC. A few days ago, we heard in the readings from the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, that when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born of a woman. Jesus was born when the time was fulfilled, when God had prepared everything for his coming when people were longing for the Messiah, and yet nobody is forced to receive him. We can break down today's readings into three groups of people. First is the, the Herod the Great, the king of Palestine. He tried to carry on both shoulders to the Romans. He tried to be loyal to them, looking for peace and order and trying to bring in the, the requested taxes. To the Jews, he tried to be a religious ruler, participated in Jewish worship, and built a new temple. The only big fault which blocked him to welcome Jesus was his pride and fear of letting go of control. He killed anyone he suspected to be a rival to his throne. The number of those he killed grew, became bigger and bigger as he grew older. This is why he was called a murderous old man. Well, perhaps we're not as suspicious as Herod was, but we might have our own plans about our own life as he had. We want to determine everything, and thus there is no room for God's ideas and his aspirations. We have closed ourselves off, and nobody even dares telling us anything as nobody dared telling Herod the truth. The second group of people was the chief priests and the scribes. Their reaction was complete indifference. They just did not care. They were so busy with their daily affairs, especially in the temple service and the legal discussions. Maybe because they were concerned of their own safety since King Herod was so suspicious, or maybe because they had their own ideas and preconceived notions, they were not open to the truth. 
They just handed information to King Herod and left. They did not dare lead the Magi to the newborn king. For us, especially in all our works, we should leave some room to hear God's inspiration and not just follow our daily routines. The third group of people were the Magi. They were learned people, yet their knowledge had not gone to their head, but in humility they left themselves open to discover him. The coming of the Magi to visit the newborn king in Bethlehem was a clear message that the birth of Jesus was a significant event not only for a small group of people, but for the entire humanity as well. For indeed, Jesus is the Savior not just of the Jews, but also of all mankind. Their encounter with the Holy Infant gave the Magi their first-hand experience of his saving power. This experience radically transformed them. They came as astronomers, they left as believers. They came as searchers, they left as followers. They came aided by the bright star. They left guided by divine wisdom. They came as magi, they left as wise men. So we need to ask ourselves, do we leave room for Christ to transform our lives? So when they found Jesus, they offered him three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So what's the symbolism behind these gifts? The first gift was the gold. Among ancient people, gold was regarded as a king of metals. It was therefore the ideal gift for a king. The Magi gave Jesus all their love as pure, solid, lasting, and as purified from selfish motives. They wanted to love Jesus with all their heart and mind. God symbolizes fidelity and perseverance. Their love was sincere. The second gift was the frankincense. Ancient people used incense in their religious worship. The aroma and smoke, spiraling upward to heaven, spoke to them of God and divinity. The gift of incense, therefore, is a symbol of the divinity of Jesus. It tells us that Jesus always had the nature of God, but became like man and appeared in human likeness. It has been used as a symbol of adoration. The Magi adored Jesus as God. Even today, we use incense in a liturgy as a sign of worship. In particular, we incense the gospel in which Jesus is present, the altar representing Christ, and the gifts of bread and wine on the altar, which will become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The third gift was myrrh. Among ancient people, myrrh was used to prepare the dead for burial. For example, the women brought myrrh to the tomb of Jesus. Because of myrrh's relationship with death, it made an ideal symbol of human vulnerability. The gift of myrrh, therefore, is symbolic of the humanity of Jesus. It speaks to us of Jesus' human vulnerability. Like us, he experienced a whole range of human emotions, sorrow, joy, fear, frustration, loneliness, anger, and others. He was like us in all things but sin. So why did the Magi believe they were in the presence of the Messiah? When they looked upon the child, they expected that he would be housed like a king and he would march around with strength and power and his word would be obeyed. And they saw this would never happen, for this child was not born for power. He was not born that people would kneel before him. He was born for the simple poor. And then they understood. You and I understand that the people who make the deepest impression on us are not people with money and fame. 
The people who touch our hearts do so by their humility, their silence, their kindness, and most of all, their need. And the Magi could see this, that the Messiah now would come in a way that nobody ever dreamed of, that if he came on a big horse and marched through the city and gathered all his people around him and we had big parties and worshipped him, he would not be a Messiah. He would just be another carbon copy, copy of the rest of us who want these things. Jesus tells us, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who know their need for God, and even more, blessed are those who know their need for each other. It is the need for each other that fashions the hope. Because hope rises in a human heart, not as a great powerful force. It rises as someone who knows and believes in this world that they have nothing. But if they put their trust in God and put their trust in each other, they will have touched God and they will have touched each other. And this is what we call Christian love. We know the Magi traveled back home and they never came back. They never returned because they knew that whenever they touched another person with humble poverty and a willingness to serve, they would have found the Messiah. For this is what he came to do and, and this is what he does. We know the Lord is deep in our heart, a heart that must go out and serve others with compassion and love, forgiveness and care. This is what gives us great strength. Take a look at someone you truly admire. We admire them because they very humbly come in and open our heart in a special way and touch us in a special way and make us understand that it is the gentle kindness of God that we need and to share it with each other. We are here to learn how to love, to learn how to love as Jesus loves, to forgive, to be kind, to serve, to bring hope and peace and honor to others. Learning how to love like this is difficult and we will fall many times. The encounter with Jesus, the God in the flesh, should make us understand that nothing really matters in this world but God. When we have God in our lives, we do not need anything else for we have everything. Where the sun is, the stars have no light. The Magi were called wise men because they used their scientific knowledge not as a false absolute, but in humility to search for the truth and the real meaning of life. And so they rejoiced in finding the Lord Jesus. What we see today is the opposite. Many people use science and technology as an attempt to eliminate God from human society. St. John Paul II said, Science can purify religion from error and superstition. Religion can purify science from idolatry and false absolutes. Each can draw the other into a wider world, a world in which both can flourish. So our celebration of the Epiphany should bring us back to encounter with the child in the manger, and so back to the object object of our faith. And having encountered him again and worshiped him as the wise men did, we should go on our way by a different path, growing in our relationship with him. The new year has just begun. Like the Magi, let us give our love, fidelity, perseverance, and sincerity to Jesus. Let us offer him our prayers. Let us begin this year in the spirit of humility and awe before the glory of God. Like the wise men, let us seek Jesus in our lives with humility, 
worship and love him, and then we will become heralds of the good news in the world.